What's up, everybody? Welcome into this week's episode of From Here It's Potable. We are back after last week. Um, we couldn't get our schedules aligned, and that was probably a good thing, considering the showing in Austin. But uh, a much different tone this week after the Red Raiders re- redeemed themselves, and now we kind of have uh, some things to look forward to. So Hunter and I uh, discuss the West Virginia game, and then we do a little TCU preview and just kind of to discuss the, where things are at in general. So here we go. Hey, before we get to the podcast, I just want to do make sure I shout out our sponsor, Prime Residential Mortgage Incorporated. They're the Lending with Passion division of Primary Residential Mortgage Inc. Whether you're buying, refinancing, or taking cash out of your home, PRMI can help. Rates are still near all-time lows, and our mortgage experts can help find the best mortgage solution for you. They can help you with purchasing your dream home, an investment property, a vacation home, whatever you need, they can help you with. They have locations all over the state of Texas, but they complete the entire process online and it's easy and and they just love working with fellow Red Raiders. They can be reached at prmiraider at primeres.com through the website at www.lendingwithpassion.com or by phone at 214-736-9466. So get in touch with them for, for any of your needs for anything like that. All right, we're back after a, a week off. Much probably a good thing. This is going to be a much much better podcast after uh, after that week than uh, last week. But uh, but Hunter's back. How you feeling, Hunter? After a win, feeling good. It's hard not to. It's it's one of those very rare very rare weekends where every one of my teams won. Even my fantasy team won. So I mean, I was today was a good Monday. I just have one team, but, <laughs> but yeah, no, it does feel good. It's just, you know, it's nice to play a meaningful game and I'm going and yeah, we don't, we don't get many of these. It's in the, in the recent years games no. that matter. And when we have had them, we've seemed to lose in this spot. Yes. Yeah. So. I mean, we, I mean, we'll just get right into it. I mean, what we said before, or you, I guess, kind of came to the conclusion before we hit record was we, we Kansas stated West Virginia. <laughs> like we, you know, they, they kind of beat us in several different categories, like, you know, statistically, but as you said, it seemed like we tried to limit the number of possessions. We beat them in field position. We beat them in turnover battle and ultimately hung on, you know, it didn't matter how it looked. It was, it's going to be a win. Yeah. I think, I think they were, willing to play in that in a low possession game too you know yeah, that's like true we were forcing them into it but that's true um yeah so there were nine each team had nine possessions but they really their last one you know they get the ball at the nine with 20 seconds left doesn't really count for one so we, we plus one them in the possession yeah, category and, and you know when you do it, when there's 30 in a game and you have 15 and they have 14 it's not that big of a deal but when it's nine to eight you know it is kind of a big deal yeah and then, and then one of their eight was the strip sack fumble and so yeah i think it was kind of an evenly played game uh, but like you said you know we they started their average field position was at their own 18 so we were about 
our drives averaged about 15 yards further down the field. And so, yeah, you get one more possession than they do. Their turnover, you know, we had one, but it wasn't that big of a deal. Their turnover was, was pretty, pretty big. And then you you start 15 yards further down the field. It really, that is, you know, K-State has done that to us. seems like for the last 20 years. I mean, it honestly seems like it's even more than Kansas state that we've, I mean, Iowa state, will do that like I mean they're obviously more talented now but just in the past it just seems like you'd lose games where you felt like you played well enough to win but those margins is where you lost the field position the turnovers the penalties like those were the little things that turned a win into a loss and instead it feels really good to be on the opposite side where you won all the little things you you won in all the margin areas and you you know you won yeah, which is it, it has not happened very often in our favor. Yeah, it's encouraging to win a game like that. And we, yeah, I think we'll have to win a couple more maybe like that. Um, but I, I mean, it, yeah, we played just a such a clean game for, for, for the most part. Yeah. Um, penalty wise, and really it was a defense, really, we only kind of didn't play very well in the for the two or three possession span in the second half. But, you know, then even our offense, you know, I'm looking the average big 12 team this year scores of touchdown or field goal on 47% of their possessions. Mm -hmm. And we scored on 50% of ours in the second half. So, and one of them, I mean, we could have scored a touchdown. We we elected to not score a touchdown, but. Which was the right. Yeah. And so, you know, even it just looks weird and we're not accustomed to, uh, playing in a half where we have four possessions and one of them were deliberately not scoring a touchdown. Right. Uh, I can see where you could, where you could say, well, we played horrible on offense in the second half, but I mean, it really wasn't that bad. Yeah. You know, it, the thing that I thought was so good about the first half and I, and I thought Sonny Cumbie was basically perfect in the first half. Uh, like even the trick play where you threw the interception, I like the call. I mean, like Geiger just can't, throw it and if i'm going to be really critical loic needs to break that up um and let at the worst it's an incompletion but that's like i said that's being ultra critical (laughs) i will say though geiger absolutely paid for that interception like he got the crap hit out of him i saw that yeah so yeah he he probably learned that lesson you don't have to coach that one um but i thought Kobe was just about perfect like it just seemed like you won every down, like you got six yards on first down, you got half the yards on second down and you converted on third down. Like it just seemed like there was nothing flashy to it. It wasn't the offense under Shuck where it was like all or nothing. It wasn't a 50 yard bomb or, or a sack. You know, it, it just seemed like you were a methodical offense doing exactly what you needed to do. And I think that's, you kind of saw it in the third quarter is you get to a third and two and then there's a false start. You know, and so you can't convert a third and seven against a pass rush like that with the offensive line in the shape that it was in. Like we saw that that's what happened in the second half. So um, I just thought it was like it was almost a perfect game plan. And then it was executed almost perfectly in the first half. So it's hard not to after all the crap, you know, I specifically, you know, gave the, the, the performance against Texas. It was very encouraging to see, I mean, the fight that they had in, in Morgantown. Yep. And it looked different. You know, it seemed like we were doing some different things on offense. There's a ton of motion and even not even just motion shifts, like this ton of pre-snap movement. Yeah. And kind of got creative, you know, like some, I think our two touchdown runs were the same play where 
And then normally oh. we would have uh, yeah. uh, our tight Koontz like in the backfield, but instead yeah. we motioned him in and it just looked. And then even before that, we had, we started out like five wide, you know, we put, yeah. So then Sir Roderick comes in the backfield and then Koontz comes in motion. Just, and, I think that's, that's just helping Columbia figure out where his read is coming from would be my guess. Uh, yeah. That you talk about the how we scored, where you motion Koontz, you know, from out wide. For some reason, um, Yost did that too. That they and it's only run against West Virginia, so it's something that West Virginia does with their defensive ends. Like they only, I thought it was so weird. You know, what was it? Was it two years ago when Tech went up to Morgantown and scored like on their first six possessions or whatever it was? Yeah. Um, I noticed it then it just, it seemed like almost a trick play or like a special team, like a fake punt almost where you just send that guy in motion across the formation and he just blows up the end with a full head of steam basically. But I find it very like, we won't run that play again. It's only a West Virginia thing. It's, it's really weird. I meant to point that out in my breakdown today. I just got distracted by that last drive, but yeah, you're right. I mean, they, they were doing things offensively that we hadn't seen yet. And I don't know if that's a Columbia thing. I don't know if that's like, you know, we're, we're emptying, emptying the chamber here, but it, it'll be interesting to see going forward. Yeah. I think, and maybe it is uh Columbia adds, you know, we're not doing anything different, but it looks different just because of him. And one, one thing to me, just mine to the naked eye watching his mesh on the RPOs or just the reads is a lot slower than Shucks. Yeah. You know, like yeah. he, he puts the ball in, in the running back's stomach and holds it there for just maybe a half second longer than Shuck. And it and when you watch the plays and kind of slow it down, you know it, it appears to mess with their linebackers. You know they're, they're it just it's longer for them to have to sit there and wait. And you know we, I don't know how many times we had you know Columbia would stick it in his stomach and pull it out and then hit somebody over the middle, you know pretty quick. Yeah, and yeah. It, it just was seemed more open because he's doing it so long. Yeah, <laughs> you know he's uh, and I don't know if that's something we do on. You know, if we did that on purpose or if that's just something stylistically that Columbia does that Shuck doesn't. You know, we talked about it a little bit today. I think there's a little – I think there's a mix of a few things. I think Columbia likes that. I think it helps him make the read. Um, I mean, I used to tell that to, to our quarterbacks. Like, when I coached them, it was like, the longer you ride the read, the easier the read is. Like, there's also a good chance that you're going to get the crap knocked out of you, but your read will be easier. Like, it's just – and so, I, I mean, we talked about it. I don't think Columbia is afraid at all. So that may go into it. Um, but I also, against a, de- a defensive line as aggressive as West Virginia's, and I pointed this out in my write-up, they were opening lanes with their rush that wouldn't been like wouldn't have been there if they would have played uh, sound, I guess. Like if they would have, you know, you know, pushed the, the, the tackle away from them or the guard and kind of watched to see, those lanes wouldn't have been there. And last season, that did annoy me about Columbia. It seemed like everything we ran, every running play was a draw. And it just seemed like you would hit a wall because it's hard to block for that long. And so we'll see, like, when you go against a less aggressive defensive front, it'll be interesting to see if, you know, if they change it up or if that's just the way Columbia does it. Yeah, I think just based on history, I don't expect us to be able to run the ball. I mean, TCU's defense has just – has been a thorn it doesn't matter how good our offense has been yeah they've been really really good against us I guess maybe the only time was uh 2015 when we lost and scored 50 something points but right. 
Otherwise, I mean, you like think about our wins against them going way back to All like ugly. 2013. Yeah. I think we scored what 14 or 17 in that win. Yeah. That was even overtime, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. The 2016 was overtime. We had Pat. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. we scored in the 20s. Yeah. And we just have nothing going all day. And Pat was yeah. like maybe around and made um, the ugliest field goal to win, but it went in. Then, then 2018, I think we won 17, 14. And last year we had nine. We, last year we had 15 possessions. Okay. We had nine three and outs. We had as many three and outs against them last year as we had possessions in the entire game last Saturday. <laughs> and that was, <laughs> it was ugly early. Like I thought that was going to be a blowout. Tech ended up making it close, but it seemed, I mean, Columbia was just. He had 14 carries, Columbia, for eight yards. So I think some of those aren't not design runs. It's just him, no. nothing being there and getting I sacked or running around. Yeah. But. The first we, couple of possessions, he had literally had no time. Like it, we weren't even running screens, and got. I mean, like the, the the TCU defensive line was just in his grill immediately. It was ugly early, but like I said, you ended up making it a game, and that's what you know came down to that second down kick call. But yeah, I don't you know I don't know I don't know how much you can take. See, it's so weird because. As good as the T- TCU defense should be, I think the West Virginia defense is better. It's played much better. Yeah. That's what's weird, what's what's weird is, like you know, you look at TCU's team. I guess first off, we've played a tougher schedule. You know, they're allowing two point six points per drive, which is ninth in the conference, and you know, we're two point two six, which is a, that's a pretty big difference. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't. You know, you look at their raw, their the guys they have, and they're they're good players. I mean, they're the the most the top five guys that they have, like snaps wise on their defense, are all Texas high school guys that we wanted. You know, <laughs> you know guys that we missed on. We wish we had them, and they play for them. It's gonna be you know, names have, we recognize. They have three four star defensive linemen, yeah. like in, interior defensive linemen, defensive tackles. Then they have a, a pass rusher, O'Shawn Mathis, who we wanted. You know, I was their defense has more guys on it that visited OU, um, like in their top 10, 12, 15 guys that play snaps than we've had on our defense maybe like ever, you know, <laughs> for sure in the last 10 or 15 years. I mean, they've, yeah. they've been like four or five guys that visited yeah. OU and had an offer, but went to TCU. Yeah. So it doesn't really make sense. I don't understand why they haven't been, you know, that productive, but I don't, I don't, I fully anticipate us, you know, having problems uh, moving the ball on Saturday. Yeah. What's weird is TCU has had dudes on defense for three or four years. I mean, more than longer than that, obviously, but just talking about the, you know, the recent history I mean, they've had a couple of guys taken in the first, three rounds of the NFL draft, it seems like every year for the past five years. And yet the team hasn't been that good, like good enough to where you have multiple guys picked, you know, in those early NFL, it's just, it's a weird combination of things because I think everyone still agrees that Patterson knows what he's doing defensively. Um, And they have the players obviously, or the NFL wouldn't be drafting them. So what's not, I don't know. It's just weird. Like what's not working is, is kind of a, I don't know. I mean, they've had like almost 600 yards rushing against in the last two weeks. Yeah. It it doesn't make sense. Almost 600. And, uh, you know, I think they might be getting some guys back this week. And I know they had like one of their really good players, a safety Memphis transfer was ejected early in the game last, last week. And, um, 
So they might, this could be a get right moment for them. And you know, they're, I mean, I don't know where their season goes from here if they lose. Like this That's is- what I'm most afraid of is they cannot lose this game. Like they, if they, they can't like, I really, I think Patterson is starting to get questions that I, that a guy who has a statue in front of the stadium doesn't get, you know, like, has this thing passed him by, you know, can he still relate? Can he still recruit? Can he still, you know, making game adjustments, all that stuff you hear. Like, it's just weird to hear about Patterson considering how long he's been there, what he's done for that program. So, you know, losing, and I, th- I don't even think it's the three losses in a row. I think it's the, who you lost to SMU, Texas. And if they lose to tech, like those questions just get louder. Yeah, and some of it I think maybe bringing on himself with just the, oh yeah how how uh, he he just couldn't get over the SMU loss and was you know talking about it like into Wednesday of last week ridiculous but um, yeah I mean but at the on the flip side you know we should be as fired up as we've as we've been I mean it should be a good crowd it'll it'll definitely be the best crowd you know, that I think Wells has ever had. And you know, I, was talk- I was talking to somebody today and he mentioned you know, how surprised he was to hear Wells say that the FIU crowd was the best he'd ever seen it. Yeah. And it's like, well, okay. I guess that makes sense. Cause you know, last year we lose to Arizona Yeah, and we played, so it kind of deflated us some um, first year, 2019. Yeah. yeah, yeah. To and then we play Oklahoma state at home. I was there and we played amazing, but the crowd, I mean, it was loud, but it wasn't really, when it was, that was a 11 kick, I think, which is probably it was after, right. And it was right after, um, the Arizona game, you know, yeah. we had lost uh, Bowman, you know, and people were kind of, da- you know, had weren't that fired up. And yeah, but then then there was COVID. And so he really hasn't had, you know, this is his first uh, time to really get hopefully a juiced up night game. Yeah. Crowd. The SF, the SFA crowd was awesome. Like, and it kind of needed to be, <laughs> but I mean, that was an awesome crowd. I know I'm very disappointed that I uh, that I will not be there this weekend. I, uh, I booked a trip, so that's my own problem. But uh, we can gloss over that. The uh, it'll be interesting to see. You know, like you said, it's the first game that Wells has had night game, big crowd in the Jones. But that's that's true of all those players too, and so you kind of have to channel that in the correct way. And so it'll be interesting to see how how they handle that, not only the players, but the coaches as well. Um, because I think it's one of those things where if you can come out and start like you did against West Virginia, which was new, which, you know, that was kind of the talk all week was if, if you start slow against West Virginia, you're not going to have enough. We've, we, when we said it, you're not going to have enough possessions to, to make it up. And so if you can start fast like you did against West Virginia and that crowd gets behind you, then it might snowball, which would be that that's the recipe you're looking for. Yeah. You know, it'd be interesting to see what TCU tries to do on offense because our, our secondary is becoming an issue. I think Well, yeah, with injuries, we should talk about that. So one thing me and you noticed, mostly you and you pointed out to me was the way we were using this, our safeties is basically you were playing with three waters, Pearson and Monroe and Pearson was almost playing like what did you call it? what was the position you called it it when Rocky Long's defense is called the Aztec yeah but we call, you know we call it the spur but right and it's I mean there's really like, no there's no name for it because it does everything yeah on the field. literally like, it, everything 
yeah, everything in the run game is kind of funneled towards this guy. Um, you know, he, he's got run game responsibilities. He's got pass game responsibility. He may cover somebody man to man. He may cover a slot, a back, an outside guy. Like it's just basically everything. And he's constantly being put in a really not not always, but I mean, to me, it's he's very often uh, having to make a play in space, like a tackle on a guy or defending yeah. a pass, and he's kind of by himself at times. Yeah. I mean, you just think about that the the run that Bijan Robinson had on on fourth down, yeah, the first on their first the swing possession. pass. Yeah, I mean, he catches the ball and and Pearson looks really foolish on the play, you know, but he's 10 yards away from him. And I mean, that's, that's a tough ask of somebody to Wait. tackle Bijan Robinson. Yeah, he he's did got that. A full head of steam. He did that against FIU too. Well, yeah, and it's and again, same same thing. You know, he's yeah, it was the exact away. same thing. Yeah, you'd like to see him make the play, but I think the degree of difficulty is tough. And I guess you know, looking back, it is, or maybe with hindsight it's somewhat concerning that we uh, kind of change our defense and, and have Rocky long come in and this is going to be a really important position. And Reggie Pearson, a guy who kind of comes late and has taken a year off of football, he played nickel at Wisconsin and did it really well. Yeah. And th- so this is a different role for him and he wins that job. And, you know, I guess part of me would like to think that we'd have had someone else, like who was it going to be, you know, if, well, if we wouldn't have got Pearson, like Nate Floyd it? played it after he got hurt. Right. The freshman, I think Eldridge played it and then Eldridge got hurt. Oh, and then Floyd played it. And then Floyd came in. Okay. I got yeah. you. And that so, makes sense. Cause Eldridge played it some last season. So I'm thinking, you know, just, I guess the concern could be boiled down to, we had a guy who it was odd that he could win that job. Yeah. And now he's hurt. And then now honestly, he didn't now his backup hurt. Yeah. And then, so we're that part is just somewhat concerning. And I don't know if you can really just change, you know, like it's a it's could become a big part of our defense that and, yeah, but if you don't have the personnel, so but then on the flip side of it, you know, from TCU's perspective, I think they will be looking at the Texas film and think like we can replicate a lot of that they know yeah. like Duggan can run they have a good running back they have a good offensive line I mean they've yeah. they got some big dudes and but but it you know but should they be throwing you know I'd almost rather than challenge that part of our defense just given kind of the issues we have in our secondary yeah. I, it, I guess it's kind of an it'll be interesting to see you know whether they elect to because um, I could see it going one. I could see them saying, all right, we're going to just run. If we can't run the ball, we'll lose. Yeah. We're, we're going to pound it, pound it, pound it. Because that's what we, you know, we've got guys and we've seen what Texas did and we'll just try to replicate it. But I could also see him saying like, well, but, but they're, they're weak in the secondary. So maybe we should kind of be balanced. Yeah. Because I mean, the thing, I mean, we made Thompson, the quarterback for Texas look like a Heisman candidate because he never got pressured. I mean, you saw, how he plays like he's not that good and I said that before and I stand by that but anybody can go back there and play seven on seven like he had to do against us I mean you TCU he he looked awful against TCU because they got pressure on him and so if they try to replicate if they try to do to us what Texas does there's no way that we have the same game plan like there's no way we try to drop eight rush three especially with you know, missing how, how many starters in the secondary that we are. You wouldn't uh, yeah. think this will be, you know, yeah. Patterson will have his work cut out. Our, our Patterson. Yeah. Uh, so here, and here. then 
there's a lot of storylines, right? Because then it's I, I'm I don't know if there's ever really been a situation where you have a a co coordinator who was there who was at a school for a long long time with and with the, his other co coordinator, and then also the defensive side of the ball has been consistent, and then he moves to another school and then they play each other just to where you know sometimes you have guys that were coaching on a staff and but it's different coaches and different players, but like Cumbie is intimate, should be intimately familiar with Meacham, with Patterson, with their personnel. Yeah. Just, that's an interesting, like surely it can't hurt. having. No. I mean, wasn't that the rumor when the 82 27 game was that they knew all of Cliff's signals and all of that stuff because of the coaching familiarity. <laughs> yeah, I think so. So, I mean, I mean, I would love to replicate that, obviously. I'll just flip it. Um, one thing that I was, you know, talking about the the defense. The thing, the thing about Pearson's position is it it, it hasn't been going that well. <laughs> you know, like you saw, I mean, you even saw it in the Houston game. It was that it was kind of a microcosm of the of the whole season. Is he I think he had two turnovers, right? He forced two turnovers, he had the pick. Maybe I don't know. Maybe he had another good play, but it wasn't a turnover. But he had the pick. But then he was also responsible for the two passing touchdowns. Like, he just totally blew the coverage. And so I think that's been the story of the season, is you'll see him make a good play, but, you know, then receivers are running by him, and you're wondering what he's looking at the next play. And so I don't know. Again, it's hard to know. That, that coverage is really hard to read. But it wouldn't shock me. And even Patterson said this going into this season or during into the West Virginia game that you're going to go simplify things, go back to the basics. So you almost wonder if you don't have Pearson, do you try to run some Rocky Long fronts, but kind of go back to what you did in the back end last year without that three safety look, go to a more two safety traditional look? I don't know. It, 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 it'll be very interesting. You'll know immediately you'll know based on personnel to me, like it wouldn't shock me to see a guy like Brandon Booyer Randall play spur. If Patterson thinks they're going to try to run the ball. Yeah. You know, and then if you see Nate Floyd out there, we're going to try to run what we've been running all year is that would be my guess. And it also wouldn't surprise me if fields is healthy. Well said somebody, he uh, asked about fry. Someone asked him about Adrian fry a couple weeks ago. And he like specifically said that he was trained to play one safety spot. Yeah. Like he distinguished it. He could play. He was like, yeah, he can play any corner and we've got him. He can play one safety spot. Yeah. And what, you know, if you have, um, if Fry is back, I mean, if the fields is back, you could put maybe Fry there and just play normal. Just keep that's doing true. What, we're, what we're doing. I would I like to but, see but, Fry in that. But I don't know if that's the safety spot Fry can play. Maybe, right. maybe it's some other spot. We did hear throughout the spring and throughout the, the, the fall camp, like they were moving those DBs around trying to find like, where is your best spot? Like we want you to be able to play multiple, but we also want to see, you know, where do you succeed? Um, but that's not a bad idea because I think Williams can, Williams plays corner. I, I don't know. I, I think you have some corners that can play. Although even that's getting pretty light at the moment. Like, cause who are you? You were missing Dunlap. And Fields, correct, against West Virginia. And I don't even know. I never heard anything about Dunlap. I don't know what his issue was. Because we heard Fields was concussion, and I never heard Dunlap. So you would think, unless it's really bad, you'd have Fields back. So who knows? But, yeah, I think you'll know pretty quickly 
whether Patterson is going to just kind of go back to what we were doing last season because we just don't have the the secondary bodies to do what we've been doing. Or, you know, it'd be great if one of those young guys could step in and do it. I mean, that's what you want. And the defense played pretty well last year against TCU. They had, they had 70 yards passing, I mean, which is maybe a record low. You basically uh, you basically gave up two back-breaking Duggan runs. Yeah. Uh, it was also, though, really windy, uh, which made oh, it yeah. like, difficult to throw. We, we couldn't throw the ball either. We couldn't do anything. No. Um, you, had that, you had, like, two bombs. <laughs> that yeah. was about it, like one to Polk and one to Easy, if I remember right. Uh, yeah, you know, you talk – that's probably the biggest – you know, it was Wells singled out. Josiah Pierre, right? You pointed that out, didn't you? I, that he played a lot. I mean, he played. Okay, maybe that's maybe almost, that's what you said because one of our snaps. He may didn't well say something like um, he's the most explosive linebacker, explosive athlete. I think Patterson said that. Oh, okay, that's what I'm yeah. thinking. You would it wouldn't surprise me to see him play even more against a guy like Duggan. You know, that way you've got yep. Schooler who can mirror Duggan. You've got Pierre that can mirror mirror Duggan. Like those. Those are two guys who are who can at least keep up with Duggan athletically. And so it wouldn't shock me to see them. Because like you said, Merriweather only played what? Eight. I mean, eight yeah. snaps. And he had a big, big play. He yeah. had a big tackle on uh, Lady Brown, like right yeah. at the line of scrimmage in a, in a big moment. And Was it? Because, you know, last year they, they went forward on a fourth down and ran, you know, a little quarterback sweep with Duggan. And I guess it was, I think it was Schooler. It was either Schooler or Merriweather who came around the corner and absolutely just stonewalled him before he got to the first down, which gave us the opportunity to drive down and miss the field goal. Um, I mean, the Duggan runs that killed us were misdirection type stuff. It was, you know, we, it was fast flow motion on a jet sweep and Duggan pulling it and following a, a pulling guard. So it'll be, I don't know, it'll be interesting to see how they handle Duggan considering he was basically their only success last season. And then we, yeah, and our defensive line played really well last week. We'll need another performance like that. I, I saw the Tyree Wilson just noticeably affecting yes. plays, and then Wells was yep. ripping about him last night. Yep. Um, maybe the biggest play of the game was um, it was like second and five at the maybe seven-yard line. Um, and West Virginia had the ball. Um down by three, you know, on their last drive and they ran it again and Wilson makes a play, you know, tackles yep. either for a loss or like right at the line of scrimmage and set up the third and medium. Yep. Um, like that was a huge play for yeah. us. And, and he was just yeah. disruptive, whether he made the play or not. Like you said, it was noticeable. Yeah, definitely. Jalen Hutchins had a big sack. Yeah, that was you know, awesome. And so a couple of plays, you know, the schooler um, just blows up their guard on that yeah. on his force fumble. And then, maybe seven or eight plays later, we ran the exact same kind of front where um, Schooler, um, you know, he, he kind of times the snap. Like he, he's engaged when we do that. We do it all the time with him, yeah. with Rico, with, with Randall. You know, he's like engaging the guard before our defensive line even really put their hands on the offensive line, you know, because like, Schooler has timed the snap and he's got like a running start. Uh, and so he does that on that play in the center this is on the Jalen Hutchins sack. You know, the center yeah. initially doubles Hutchins, but because, you know, Schooler had gotten through so quickly and forced a fumble, he comes off of him and tries to help on Schooler. And then, you know, Hutchins is one-on-one, shucks the guy and, and makes a sack. You know, it's just yeah. 
little bitty, little bitty things uh, can go a long way, but the, those guys were, we were disruptive, you know, yes. we, we were, we kind of matched West Virginia with the, our, our front did. Yeah, that was, you're That's, that's a good thing to point out. Like as maligned as both fronts were after the Texas game. And I think that's almost what makes it worse is you saw like what they're capable of against a, 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 a West Virginia team that's pretty good in the trenches. And they're not as good as Texas is, but they're pretty good. And like I said, I don't want to keep going back to it, but that almost makes it more frustrating because you can see like they are capable. It just didn't happen when it needed to happen in Austin. Um, we were getting lined up on Saturday too. That's true. That's a good point. That's that very, very helpful. Um, I was just looking at TCU's uh, TCU and the when they played SMU. SMU had two guys rush over 100 yards, and three of them, all of their running backs had over six yards per carry. <laughs> Even Mordecai. Yeah. Like it doesn't make any sense. But you watch. We won't be able to do that for whatever yeah. reason. They Patterson just shows up against us. Yeah. Yeah, it'll, it'll be, it'll, I mean, I mean, honestly, we didn't run the ball that well. No, we West didn't. Virginia. No, we didn't. Like it, we did it, when we needed to. Yeah, exactly. We absolutely needed to. And, and on that last drive, I mean, those runs were just, we were blowing up the, their defensive line on those last couple of runs. Yeah. Minus the yeah, one oh, yeah. where, where with a bad snap, you know, it's like the, the bad snap and then like Columbia does a really slow mesh and it. Yeah. It cre- yeah. Their defensive end, he like didn't know what to do. He like yeah. runs up and <laughs> he created the hole. Yeah. Well, that that's what I wrote in, in my review today. It was like it was almost like the West Virginia defensive line didn't understand the situation. Like it was like they thought we were trying to drop back and score every time, and like they were run, they were running upfield like they were trying to rush the passer, and we were just running underneath them. It was very weird. Um, I was just looking at. I mean, Strider only had twelve carries. Like that's. Yeah. But it wasn't like, I mean, Townsend had three, Xavier White had four. That's that's it. That's weird. That's I don't know. I guess it just goes back to the possession deal. But just just a weird game. Um, I was trying to think the the TCU. They had. I know they're worried about. You know, you talked about their offensive line. They're like one of their best offensive linemen. That guard left the game. You know, they're worried about him. Uh, their best receiver or both receivers left the game. One of them came back. The other one did not. Um, so it'll be, you know, I don't know. I mean, at this no, they're not going to be more injured than we are. That, that kind of goes without saying. But they may have, I don't know, they may have a few that are pretty. Impactful. It would be really significant. I think, is it the one that didn't come back? Is that Quentin Johnston? Yes. That's the one we want to not play. Patterson said he had like hyperextended his knee. I don't know if that means he's out or not, but uh, he's really good. He's big and and just, he could be a problem, but yeah, I think we put Rayshad Williams was really good last weekend against a big, good, you know, the the Bryson, like Ford Wheaton. I mean, he, he, Oh, you couldn't cover him. Um, And, but um, yeah, that would be because like, it's a kind of the same thing on TC's defense. I mean, you look at the like Tay Barber is a receiver, Quentin Johnston, Zach Evans, Duggan. They have a left tackle who's a, just a, mam- a mammoth. He's yeah. like 6'8, 350. He transferred from Memphis. Um, they've got guys 
on offense that seem to be, you know, if they're all healthy, could pose a problem. And they've been really good on offense this year. I mean, yeah. we're talking about, I'm giving those numbers about their, their defense. I mean, their offense, um, UT has the most points per drive, then OU right behind them, and then TCU just right, right there behind them. And like yeah. they're yeah. kind of in a tier of their own. They're all um, above 3.4 points per drive. And then we're um, the first of the next tier at three points per, like 2.98. And yeah. it's like us and Baylor, Kansas State are kind of that uh, next tier. I mean, TCU has been really, really good on offense this year. Now, they haven't really played anybody. Um, you know, Texas defense hasn't been that, that great. No. I mean, they played it, they played at home, too, which yeah. you know, can help your offense more than, than anything. But, um, yeah, so I mean, their offense is good. And they've, they've been kind of at a, like a fast – they've been playing at a pretty quick pace – um, so I may have, I kind of was saying earlier, you know, I didn't think, um, TC, TCU could force to me, if I was playing tech right now, I would want to create a high possession game. If I yeah, thought yeah. we had, I had a good offense and could, um, you know, kind of wear us down a little bit. And I, I don't, you know, Patterson hasn't really ever wanted to do that. It's kind of like against the only time he really did that was when Cumbie first went there, you know, and changed their system you know changed everything for him but but then i think they started like there was some friction and he kind of went away from it yeah but so i i i I don't know if patterson will do it even though he probably should against us this week yeah and you know you that's that's what's the interesting thing too is you saw them try to take some risks offensively against texas and it seemed like every one of them backfired backfired like a weird a fumble on a on a trick play like turnovers when you're trying to you know maybe you know going for the kill shot when you probably just should have you know kept the drive moving like I mean I I sent a text during the game I was like Patterson is going to kill the offensive staff at halftime like that like TCU should be winning and they're not and it's because they keep turning the ball over so it'll be interesting to see like you said they should continue that model but it kind of cost them against Texas so it'll be interesting to see what they do for sure. And you know, I think just going back to, you know, Columbia, he, there's something about him. He just doesn't really seem to, he's, you know, reckless kind of abandoned, doesn't really ever get rattled or phased. You know, when we, Cumbie really wants to do, like to be in five wide, like an empty sets. And I think he likes it because we have a tight end and a running back on the field when we do it. So it looks the same personnel wise as yeah. a lot of our other formations. And when, when we would, I'm not blaming Shuck because we weren't blocking people. We would get in that against SFA and U of H and we wouldn't block them anyway. Yeah. I mean, it, it was like Shuck was just getting killed. Yeah. And Shuck looked like he thought he was about to get killed. You know, he was <laughs> real sped up and, yeah. you know, missing guys that were open and like the forced fumble against SFA that ricocheted back. Well, like on Saturday, when you watch Columbia, he's like just smooth. It doesn't really feel any pressure. He's just dodging and weaving back there. It's coming. And, you know, like the bomb to Loic, we were in an empty set and card gets totally blown up. I mean, pushed all the way back into Columbia and it's like Columbia never even knew he was there. Yeah, He just makes the throw. I mean, could have, his hand could have hit card. He could have got like stepped on probably did. I don't know, but I don't know. Like Shuck may have just tucked that and ran. Yeah. in, on, in that situation, as opposed to Columbia, who just, he doesn't really seem to feel now it might hurt us, you know, like he might 
get sacked and and not feel it and we get, and have a fumble or something. Yeah, but, um, but I don't. I, I, I mean, you talked about the bomb to Loic, the third and two. Well, on that second and six on the last drive, when you hit Geiger for the big play, I mean, you you go max protect there. They end up sending six or seven because you max protected. So the guys who are covering the tight end, the running back, the kind of delayed blitz. And it was, it was, it was horrendous. <laughs> like the pass protection. I mean, there were guys flying everywhere. I mean, it, the effort is appreciated, but it was not pretty. I mean, like Sir Roderick was literally like completely horizontal to the ground trying to block somebody at one point. I mean, yeah. Berger was. Berger was facing our end zone. Like he snapped the ball. Literally everybody's behind him. And he's still like, I don't know what he was waiting on. But anyway, but Columbia is just like dodging, dip, dive, dodge. Yeah, I'll take a step right, take a step left, take a step right, throw this bomb. But it's like you said, it was like nothing, like sheer chaos around him. And it was just all right. Like it's awesome. I mean, like it's great when it works. It's that kind of thing. Yeah. uh, It's, He's going to have to do that Saturday. Yeah, he's going to have to play as well as he did um, for a lot of these games because it's uh, – I, I am ex- – there is some excitement just because we will be in a – there's a lot of coin flips left. You know, we, we could yeah. go – like we could go nine and three or something and not be that – you know, I, I was thinking about this today. Like in the last like six or seven years, we've been – when you look at like – any kind of model or, you know, we're like always the best five and seven team. Or when we go four and eight, we're the best four and eight team in the country. Yeah. You know, like we could be the worst. I want to be the worst nine and three team. You know, like <laughs> yeah. we, we've got a chance this year to be the worst not eight and four team in the country. The yeah. worst nine and three. Like, um, because like you've like, seen Kansas state, Oklahoma state kind of be those teams to me. Yeah. yeah that w- well, and that's the thing is you, cause after our game, you watch, you watch Baylor and, and Oklahoma state and like, neither one of those teams can score either. Like it's such a weird big 12. Like, Baylor, like I, I think Baylor's pretty good. Uh, did you watch that game? Yeah, a little bit. The, the, both of their defenses are really good. Oklahoma state and Baylor's. I just, yeah. I, I mean, how, how many times did Spencer Sanders say Baylor take the game, please. Yeah. I'm He's saying struggling. you take the game and they just, I don't know. A good team does it to me. Like, I don't know. Their defense is going to be good. I, I, we probably will lose that game. You know, I, I mean, who knows? We'll see what happens when we get there. But um, I don't know. I'm just I'm not. It's kind of like you said. I'm not really scared of anybody. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm excited going into every game as long as we don't get continue to get injured, because at some point, like as awesome as it is to overcome these injuries, to be a next man up at some point, the dam breaks. And like it's just too much, and so I I hope we don't get to that point, but it's getting there quickly. Yeah, and the secondary, but you know maybe we get some of these guys back, um, you know because we, we need it big time. I think uh, the you know the wide receiver injuries we were able to kind of withstand that. And, yeah. and I you know that the guy from Lubbock who plays for TCU Blair, Blair Conrad Conrad yeah. you know even as depleted as we were on Saturday I don't think he would have been getting many reps for yeah. us that receiver yeah and yeah I mean receiver starts we, for them yeah I mean like you know Loic didn't finish the game which to me that like if if you don't have Izukama and you don't have Loic I think then you start you're not panicking but you're getting in it's getting close 
like you're getting close to hitting that panic button, but hopefully, you know, you have easy back and maybe low injury is not too bad, but even then you still have Geiger Bradley who made an awesome catch Mannix uh, Cleveland. I mean, everybody, everybody yeah. really stepped up. Like you, yeah. you only like you only threw to price maybe twice and he only caught one ball. Like, I don't know. You just have guys. So it's, yeah. it's a good problem to have. It's, you know, after last week, I was pretty, I was just disappointed because you wait all year for football season and you feel like it's over after a loss like that. And obviously it's not. And so it's just nice to see that it's actually not <laughs> like I'm excited for this TCU game. Like I, I, I'm, I, I guess it's nice to have stakes again. You know, it's nice Absolutely. to go into a game and be like, if we win, it's awesome. And if we lose, it's going to be terrible. Like, it's it's nice to at least have those options, <laughs> which sounds so dumb. No, I agree. I but agree. Anyway, again, yes, I feel good. The Jones will be an awesome place to be. I'm disappointed. I'm not going to be there. You're making the trip, right? Yeah, I'll be there in the West Side Press Box Club. Oh, all I'll right. It's a nice brag. Get that out to the the from here yeah. spotable listeners. <laughs> so if you are also in a suite. If you're one of the, the not the suite, just the little, just the club area. Oh, okay. okay. Outdoor club, but whiskey go. drinks in the bathroom is two minutes away. It's not a bad, <laughs> not a bad place to watch a game. Not a bad place. When I when I went to the uh, the FIU game, no, the SFA game, the guy next to me, he came and sat down, already hammered, and then he pulls out of his pocket like just a uh, a medium sized bottle of Fireball. And uh, I look over there at halftime, and that thing is empty. It is bouncing down the steps. Nice. <laughs> so it's like, all right, there there'll, we there'll go. be a lot of that. There'll be a lot of that this weekend. My hope is next week. You know, we're hearing Patterson, Gary Patterson, telling lies about you know frozen water bottles yes. slamming into his team, and yes, you know, um, just water. Fire, yeah, do, dung bombs dump. getting yes. thrown. I want, I want him making up. Just I want it to be a horrific experience. Yes. Can you for, believe for what that student section was chanting? Like, yes. how are our guys supposed to play when they're hearing that kind of language, that kind of exactly. stuff? Yeah, that's dead on. That's yeah, that's the goal. We're gonna be coming back here next week laughing at Gary Patterson, and that's gonna be awesome. So, so. all right, that's all I got. You got anything else? Nope, that's it. All right, well, we will talk to y'all next week. Now, this is a